Well, good afternoon, everybody, and happy Monday. So <clears throat> let me just get right out and tell you this. This this very well could be an interesting podcast today for two reasons. Uh, number one, because I am recovering from bronchitis. I normally try to record these on Friday, but uh, Friday and Saturday and Sunday I was dealing with bronchitis. So if you, if you hear a little bit of... Uh, kind of nasally in my mouth. That is why. And two, I had five cavities filled today. So like my, the whole right side of my face is is just completely getting over being numb. Like I'm recording this right now with drool hanging off my face uh, with a sore throat. I'm going to hack my way through it. But you know what? Uh, it is time to record a podcast because it's all about adding value, and that's what Chasing Better is all about. And so I'm so grateful that you've chosen to uh, spend a few minutes with me today and uh, give this a listen. Uh, if, if you are just now joining us, if this is the first time you've listened, uh, my name is Corey, and I'm the author of a book called Chasing Better. Uh, this podcast is also uh, creatively named Chasing Better, and, and my whole goal is to weekly add some value to you and just share some things that I have uh, learned and experienced over my years, and hopefully there's some things that you can take away and uh, add to your life. So um, we've talked about a lot of things, but um, today I, I want to talk just for a few minutes um, really continuing on a topic I really hit on a couple weeks ago about fear, and I want to expand on that a little bit. And, sp- and focus specifically on fear as it relates to other people because, man, I will tell you that there are so many people that are just completely held hostage by what other people think about them. So I was, I was listening to this guy, and I don't even remember who it was. In fact, I don't even know if it was a guy. It could have been a girl. Um, and they were talking about how different we are in our uh, 20s and in our 30s and in our 40s and 50s and 60s, and they kind of broke it down into 20-year increments. And what they said was that it's interesting that at age 20, you worry what everybody thinks about you. And then at age 40, you stop caring what people think about you. And then at age 60, you realize they were never thinking about you to begin with. You know, it's so fascinating, and I think this is such a struggle for so many people, especially in the age of social media, when so much of our relevance and so much of our confidence and so much of our um, self-worth comes in the form of affirmation that we get from others. We are looking to see how many likes we got. We notice whether how many people liked our story. We notice how many people viewed our story. We start inventing stories in our heads uh, of why people don't comment on certain things that we post. And it's crazy. You know, I don't know how, if you've done this, but um, we have a tendency as people to spend way too much headspace inventing crap that will never happen in our heads. And that mind space could have been used towards being creative, towards problem solving, towards moving your life or your business or your family or something else forward. But we get stuck in this mode of just obsessing about what everybody thinks about us. And it's hurting us. And so I want to just share a a couple stories. So um, my family and I just got back uh, recently from Disney. We were there uh, about a week ago. In fact, I think episode number two, uh, I was talking about um, I was talking about adding value, and um, it was I was recording this while I was at Disney. So we just got back, and that's where I 
caught the bronchitis because apparently uh, sick people reside at Disney World and uh, they just so happened to rub shoulders with me. So I, I came home and I was sick, but when we were there, there was this really interesting thing that happened, right? So think about Disney. Disney is a multi-billion with a B, uh, billion dollar company. They own the ABC network. They own ESPN. They own Universal Studios. They, they own Marvel. Uh, they, own, they own a lot, right? So it's a very, very valuable company. All started with this idea of a dude in a dream, right? This guy with a freaking mouse who wanted to have a dream of imagination and, and making his dreams come to life. And he started this theme park in California and bought just a crap ton of acres and swamp dirt in, uh, in Florida that turned into Disney World, which turned into Disney Production Studios, which turned into networks and just everything else. Now there's Disneylands all over the, all over the world. A lot of people love Disney, right? There are, there are people that will work their butt off for 50 to 51 weeks a year so they could spend thousands, small fortunes on taking their kids to Disney in the hot sun, sweating their booty off, waiting in lines, paying lots of money to go experience it. And I'm not, I'm not hating on Disney. We love it. We're, we're annual pass holders. We, we're DVC members, which means we give everything we have to Disney. So we, we, we love Disney, right? So this isn't a complaint. It's just truth. Like we as people tend to spend money on things that we enjoy, right? I, this is not even what the podcast is about. It's just my mind is random and I'm going here. So I heard somebody talk about this. I was, I was reading this book. It's by a guy named uh, Dean Graziosi, and it's called Millionaire Success Habits. And he said, too many people try to sell based on need, but we should be selling based on want because people make decisions based on emotion. And when we want something, our emotions are attached to it. So if somebody's trying to lose weight, I could tell them, hey, you need to lose weight because your BMI needs to come down. But really, they want to lose weight so they can fit into a certain pair of jeans, right? People are motivated by what they want, not what they need. People don't need to go to Disney. They want to. People don't need to spend $10,000 on a Disney vacation, but their kids want to. So we make decisions based on want, and Disney has figured that out. So they know that we want entertainment. They know that we want to feel pampered. They know that people want a magical experience, that people want an escape, that life sucks for a lot of people, and they really need an escape from reality. They need a break. They need something to just make them feel like a kid again because the rigors of being an adult just take its toll so often. And so really you see people that don't even have kids that go to Disney, people that are on their honeymoon that go to Disney, people that are on their bachelorette parties that go to Disney, senior citizens that have grandkids that are long gone that go to Disney. Why? Because it's an opportunity to relive some of the best parts of being alive, which is when you are a kid and when you don't care about anything else other than having a great time and meeting people that are make-believe and living in a land of fantasy. And sometimes as we get older, we forget that stuff because we get too important and we take ourselves too seriously and we just keep um, we just keep moving forward on stuff that we think matters more. And so sometimes we just like to relive our childhood. So Disney has figured all this out. And Disney has millions and millions of people that travel to its theme parks from all over the country and all over the world. I mean, I can't even... There, I think there were more people 
from foreign countries that we ran into at Disney than from the United States, just people from everywhere that just come here. It's really one of the most popular vacation places in the entire world. Well, at Disney, you know, to transport all these people to and from the parks, it's, it's, a, it's a hassle, right? Disney has just so much figured out. They are just phenomenal at uh, customer service. They're phenomenal at, you know, just so much. You know, they, the way they park cars, it's a machine, how they work it. So you can, you know, they have, they have trams and monorails and ferry boats and all these things designed to get people to and from the park so they can just continue to have a, an amazing experience. And one of the things that they just came out with were these, um, I think they're called gondolas or skyliners or whatever, like these like like ski lift, like sky lift enclosed. I'm talking with my hands right now and you can't see it because I'm not recording this on video. But these things that, that take you from the Disney resorts into the parks, it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, we got to ride on them and uh, it was awesome. So we were meeting with some friends and we were going to go ride on these Disney Skyliners and as we go up to the Skyliner, they say, sorry, we're not taking any more rides tonight. And we were like, crap. My kids were crying because they wanted to ride on it. And we were like, well, that, that's, that sucks. Well, come to find out that about 30 minutes before we had got there, the Skyliners broke. Not only did they break, but there were people stranded on those Skyliners for three and four hours at a time. All right. Now that that's that's intense. I mean, can you imagine being stuck in the air for three and four hours with kids? I mean, can you imagine being up there with strangers and having to establish a pee corner? I mean, think about that for a second. You know, it's funny, but man, can you imagine being stuck in one of these things for hours and you're like, okay, and you know, I don't want to get too crass here, but you know, dudes going to the bathroom, that's not as difficult. But man, can you imagine if you're like a Got to really go? I, you know, This is just absurd. I'm talking about going to the bathroom on a podcast. But I'm just trying to help you realize what kind of a catastrophe this was. Some of these people were stranded over water. They had to call the fire department in and evac these people down fire escapes on these fire ladders so that they would um, – so the, basically what happened is one of these Skyliners crashed into one of the resorts, and it was a big deal. And people were pissed. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, I would be. I mean, if you were up in this thing, I mean, and with kids and people crying and pee corners, and it's just not a fun, not a fun experience. So understandably, there were people that were really mad about that. And I'm guessing that those people, in light of spending thousands of dollars to get to Disney and have this experience and miss some of their rides. Now, here's what I know about Disney. Disney takes care of people, and I'm sure that they made it right in whatever way they could. I'm sure they gave them free stuff and you know, did what they could. But that just reminded me of one thing, and that is Disney has millions of people that faithfully follow them and give them money and are knuckleheads like me that just spend literally thousands and thousands of dollars yearly at Disney World. But there's some people that freaking hate Disney. There's some people that would rather go and, you know, weed whack for, for a week as opposed to go to Disney World. They just don't like it. They don't like the crowds. They don't like the heat. They don't like the price. They don't like the experience. They just don't like it. And so when you look at Disney and what they're, um, strategy is. And, and if you're listening to this and you have a, a business, right? Maybe you're a pastor and you're, you're God almighty. If there's anyone that needs to learn what it's, how to not try to make everybody happy, it's, it's being a daggone pastor. My God, that was 
miserable. But if you're a business owner or you're a pastor or you're a teacher, we have this unrealistic expectation that everybody is going to love what we do. That everybody is going to just be obsessed with it, that they're going to love it. And when somebody doesn't, here comes cough number one. <clears throat> there we go. I'm not even going to edit that out. You're going to listen to my cough, dang it. Everybody's going to love me. Everybody's going to want what I do. And they aren't. Can I be honest? If there's 100 people, I don't care what your business is. Right? I'm, I'm a coach, so I, you know, I will help people get healthy. I don't care if you're a coach or you're a pastor or you're a you know, work at FedEx or I don't care what you do, right? You're gonna, you work at FedEx, there's going to be some people that can't stand FedEx and they only go to UPS. You work at Lowe's, there's going to be some people that can't stand Lowe's and only go to Home Depot. Uh, you're going to find some people that can't stand Coke and they drink Pepsi or they can't stand Bud Light and they drink Miller Light. I mean, it's just, I don't care what you offer. There are people in the world that don't like ice cream, okay? There are people in the world that don't like rainbows, There are people in the world that don't like Disney. If there are people in the world that do not like Disney, why in the flip are you surprised when there are people that don't like you? And what happens is we get so bent out of shape when somebody doesn't approve of what we do. Somebody doesn't approve of it. Somebody doesn't like it. Somebody doesn't you know, think it's good. You know, somebody thinks that you're only in it for the money. Somebody else thinks that you're hurting people. Somebody, I mean, my God. Let me just give you a little piece of advice because I was driving myself crazy. I will tell you as a pastor, I don't care if there's 500 people in a room, if 498 people loved the message and two people didn't, I would go home that Sunday thinking about those two people. And that's a me issue. It's not a them issue. It's a me issue. And you know why? Because for a long part of my life, I had an obsessive need to please people. And I had a really tough time when people would tell me no, when I was first building our health coaching business and someone wasn't interested Someone thought it was too expensive. Somebody, somebody thought that it was, you know, some crazy scheme. That affected me. And I started to think, well, that man, if they think that, then what's everybody else thinking? Until I realized, you know what they're thinking? They're not thinking about me. And even if they were, does that matter? You know, Grant Cardone one of my, you know, one of the guys that I follow, and he, he's just a great business mind, and talks about haters. And he talks about love your haters, and he talks about how, you know, he emails out his email list, and he bases how successful his campaigns are by how many people drop from his email list. And if not enough people drop from the email list, then he realizes he's not hitting the list hard enough. There has to be a point that if you want to be successful. In whatever business or life that you are trying to build, there has to be a moment that you understand that you are not for everybody. And pastors, I'm talking to you because if there's pastors on here, that's so tough for you because you just believe that your message is for everybody. And it might be, but not everybody's going to like it. 
and you will drive yourself absolutely bat you know what crazy if you try to place your worth or your value on how many people like you. You know, I've, I've had this thought and I don't think that this is the way it is, but this has helped me to process certain things. Let's say there was 100 people. And let's say of those 100 people, 85 of them couldn't stand you, but 15 of them, you completely changed their life. Would you be willing to have 85 people not like you so that you could change the life of 15? Now, here's the reality. The reality is that's not the math. Because if you had 100 people, you'll probably change the lives of five or six. And five or six won't like you. And 85 to 90 just won't care. And so you know what Disney has figured out? Disney spends their marketing dollars on two groups of people. One, the knuckleheads like me who already spend a crap ton of money at Disney and they want me to come back and spend more. The people that already love Disney. Or two, the people who've never been. Disney is not out trying to change the mind of Disney haters, saying, oh, would you come on, please? Would you please come to Disney? Would you please? So we bought the Disney vacation timeshare thing, and you know some of you are going to think that we're suckers. And you know what? You're dang right, we are. But one of the things I loved about the, their, their presentation was when they told us, listen, we're not lowering the price. We're not negotiating. This is what it is, and this is what we understand. If you love Disney... You're going to give us your money, whether, whether it's through this or through another way, right? Whether you buy this, you're going to give it to us. Whether you don't, you're going to give it to us because you love Disney, right? They had me and I was like, well, dang it, you're right. So they don't, they don't spend money trying to force people that don't like them to like them. They spend their money reminding people that like them why they like them and trying to entice people that have never experienced it to come give them a try. So look at you and your business and your church or your ministry or your, your coaching practice or whatever it is. Where are you spending your time? Are you trying to spend time adding crazy, ridiculous, over-the-top service to your customers? I've never met one person in my life that doesn't like to be pampered. I've never met one person in my life that does not like first-class treatment. You tell me one person that wouldn't take a first-class ticket if they were upgraded for free in a heartbeat if they were. If you went to United Airlines and you were flying to Phoenix and they said, we have one first-class seat available, it's a free upgrade, would you like it, sir? Not one person on this planet would say, no, thanks. I'll take the middle seat between chubby Joe and stinky Jane. Like we like first class treatment. So why aren't you, instead of you obsessing about the people that don't want to work with you, what if you instead focused on giving first class treatment to the ones that did? You don't have any idea 
how much value a handwritten thank you note or note of encouragement can bring to your customers. I don't care if it's a client or whatever it is. Like, what are you doing to make raving fans out of the people that currently work with you? I'm not talking about the people that aren't yet. So you're talking about, okay, if I've got equity, you know, business equity or, or, or mind space, how am I spending that time? One, I want to make sure that the people that are currently working with me want to keep working with me. Number two, I want to help people that have never experienced working with me to know how great working with me could be. That's where I spend my time. I do not spend my time trying to convince people that will never work with me that they should. You know, my life philosophy, and I will let you borrow it if you want to. My life philosophy is this. I will work with those that want my help and I will show love and grace to everybody else. So there's two things that you get to choose when it comes to being in relationship with me. You get to choose whether you're a work with me person or you're a love and grace person. And the cool thing is love and grace gets to be extended to people whether they work with me or whether they don't. Like you can, you can say what you want and we've had some people that have said some stuff. I've been unfriended. I've been blocked. I've been, you name it. I've, I've been told that I'm selling out. I've been told lots of things. I, I've been told that I've forfeited God's call on my life. I've been, I've been told things that you could never possibly imagine. Body of Christ is, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it there. Sometimes. I've been told a lot of stuff. Here's what I know. My wife is happy. My kids are happy. And we are changing the lives of thousands of people. And you know what the price tag is for that sometimes? Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to be a fan. And that's okay. They get the amazing, distinct honor of being in the love and grace bucket of mine. So I just want to encourage you today. If you've got people that aren't fans of you, welcome to the dad gum team. Quit obsessing about them and start obsessing about what you want and start trying to serve the people that are already working with you at a high level. Start trying to brand yourself in such a way that you can give answers to whatever it is that somebody else is looking for and whatever industry it is that you serve. And let's go change the world together. I hope this was helpful to you today. This has been Chasing Better. I'm Corey. If you want more information or if you want to follow along, you can find me on social media, Corey Baker 12 That's Corey with an E on Instagram. You can search me on Facebook. Uh, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn, CoreyBaker12 at gmail.com, just all the places. But uh, yeah, if you like this, uh, go ahead and... Uh, Share it with some friends, and I hope this has added value to you. Uh, but until next time, this is Corey. This has been the Chasing Better Podcast, and uh, have a great week, my friends.